Welcome to Web of Tomorrow, a podcast about the web and the people who build it. This is Adam Harris. Today's guest is Aaron Frost. He's a principal engineer at Domo, and he's one of the organizers of NGConf. So, ES6, mm-hmm. uh, it's, what is it exactly? ES6 is a thing, um, kind of in the past, but it's also kind of in the now. And for some people, it's kind of in the future. So, it is the first major release of JavaScript for a really long time. We had what I would consider a minorish release in ES5. Mm-hmm which was 2010, and then ES 5.1, which is 2011. But that is what I, I would consider those um, fairly nominal releases. Yeah. Nothing like mind-melting, you know. But it had some good stuff. I, I don't, I'm not trying to trash talk. Um, so, yeah, ES 6 is this huge thing that after... I mean, when you look at the history of what's gone into JavaScript, there was this massive fight after ES 3... They're like, hey, let's do, you know, some people are like, let's boil the ocean. And, and other people were like, no, let's do everything that uh, ActionScript can do. Hmm. And they started, started getting pulled in a lot of different ways. And they kind of got in a fight and not a lot of progress happened. And Mozilla, or sorry, uh, Netscape disappeared. And... Uh, that's not epic, right? Like, so yeah, they, they just couldn't agree on what to do. And then finally, um, in, you know, Mozilla comes out of the ashes, starts to harness opinions, starts to get committees going. And, and I think having Brendan involved really helped. But yeah, then eventually they, they formalized on an agreement of, hey, let's just be cool with each other going forward and we'll try and bite off smaller pieces. Everything we want to do is great that we can't agree on. Let's put it into this big bucket called Harmony. Okay? Okay. Because we're all going to agree now. So a lot of times <laughs> when you hear about ES6 or JS Next or Harmony, like the, the, those are all three names that used to be synonymous. But Harmony is just this giant bucket that all features that are in the future of JavaScript go into that proposal with. Okay. Okay. And then you've got JS Next, which is just, or ES Next, we don't call it JS Next. So ES next is whatever the next upcoming release is, right? So a few years ago, ES next was pointed to a specific version called ES, right? Yeah. And then they changed it from ES6 to they wanted to like force themselves to release a yearly cadence. Yeah. Let's call it ES2015. And that will force us to be more responsible in releasing more often, right? Right. And so is it... Is it ES2015 or is it ES6? I mean, for some of us, it will always be ES6. Yeah. But, and no matter how long we go in the future, everyone will know what you mean when you say ES6. Yeah. But the name is ES2015. Like you said, hey, let's talk about ES6. I call it that. A lot of people still call it that. So it didn't even bother me that you called it. I don't even think twice about it. I've been trying to force myself to say 2015, but it's just easier. Yeah. My my brain regexes it on the fly. Yeah. Like if you say 2015, it regexes in ES6 because <laughs> that's when I built the dictionary in my head. That's how I built it. So yeah. So that's what, but so ES, 
ES Next right now is pointing to um, ES 2017. Yeah. Okay. So ES 2017 will have some features in it. ES 2016 was uh, almost non-existent, especially when compared to ES 2015. Yeah. So you said they were going to take off bite-sized chunks, but ES 2015 just seems like a huge, huge so, chunk. So after they had ES, towards the end of it, they're like, hey, you know what? This is just too big to wrangle, too many opinions. Um, you know, we, we get a couple of these things done, but then they get put onto this, this bandwagon where we're trying to put 15 other things. So we never get those, those ones we've already agreed on. We don't release those because we keep waiting for these other things. So what if every year we do a release and then anything that's done can just go into that release? So that's why they're like, let's do a yearly release so they can do smaller releases. So the fact that ES 2016 was Almost invisible is totally okay because it means that they were focusing on bigger things, but they did manage a couple. Okay. That makes sense? Yeah. So is everything in ES 2015 usable now? Um, I mean, it depends on what you mean by usable. Like, there's some really interesting numbers. Like, if you look at um, Safari, mm-hmm. so there's this online thing called the ES6 compatibility table. And it's it's just this matrix of ES6 features on the side, and across the top is different browsers. And so you can see which browsers have support yeah. for what. Mm-hmm. So Safari was the first browser to reach 100%, which I thought was really easy. Wow. And for a long time, Edge was ahead of a lot of them. Hmm. Yeah, Ed- Edge got up into like the 90s first, 90% of features of ES6. But then it kind of hit a plateau mm-hmm. and Chrome and Firefox both cut up and Safari went to 100 and so that's kind of where we're sitting at today and then old browsers like IEs they're just right. they'll, they'll never get yeah of course yeah. so when you, so you sit there and you look at like I really Chrome's at 92% or whatever I really wish I could have that last 8% right like you right. think to yourself but it's it's it ends up being these fringe pieces of thing that you don't you think you need because it's not a hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just it's it's so much functionality. That ninety two percent accounts for more than you can hope to use on Yeah, yeah. It just seems weird two years later. They're, we're still trying to implement it. Right. Yeah, I mean kind of, but I mean when you're trying to steer the Titanic, it it takes a while to to, to change course, right? Yeah. So, you know, I, I understand why it takes time, but I also understand that with the ones they did first, these last 8% are less important. So let's just talk about some of the features of you know, starting with 2015. Of, yes, 2015? Yeah, just 2015. Um, which one do you want to talk about? There are a lot of them. Can you just name them all? Uh, I can't name <laughs> all of them. I can name them some of them. So you've got destructuring. Yeah which helps you pull things apart easier. You've got default parameters, which helps you have some defaults. You've got rest parameters, which lets you have kind of a var args type Yeah, other languages have. Spread. You've got spread operators, which lets you spread things out. You've got... It's got let and const. You got, yep, you got different block scoping. So you got uh, scopes with let and, uh, block and const. Um, which are great. You've got um, 
Let's think of you got arrow functions, which huge. You got classes, which is not anything to ignore. And then you got these smaller things like that were lumped in for formality's sake, like function.toString. All the browsers had a function.toString, which just takes a function and turns it into okay. a string. And they all had that. Interesting. But um, it wasn't formally in the proposals. They're like, function.toString, you know. <laughs> just make it official. Formal, so, so it's formalized now, but it wasn't. Oh, none of the developers were like tweeting about it, like, hey, you know, function.toString. Like, is it, does it just get the name of the function? What was it? No, it just, it literally takes like function, it turns an anonymous function. I guess if it's named, it would probably put a name in it, but it just two strings the code. The code? Uh, yeah, with the line breaks and everything. I mean, it's not incredibly useful. No. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but anyway, um, you've also got these other things that are like massive performance optimizations, like tail, tail calls, proper tail calls. Yeah. So if you format your code appropriately, you can actually do recursion to n levels deep and not blow your stack like you can currently in. So, and by currently, I mean most browsers still the tail call. Yeah, that's probably that last 8%. Yeah. And yeah. so, um, so yeah, you got uh, the, the proper tail calls, which currently without them, like if you try and do recursion, you can get to like in Chrome, like 10,500 stacks like that. I think Firefox is maybe a little more, and, and IE is like impossible low. You just can't go too deep in a recursive call. Yeah. And so, which is fine. I mean, we figure out ways around it, but sometimes it's nice to do recursion. Yeah, and for sure. And not worry about how deep you went. And so, they've got a way to let you do it properly now and to abandon all previous stacks as you're done. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah. Uh, what, what are the features that you just use most commonly? Probably um, you and me are probably going to be similar. Yeah. This. Yeah. But obviously let and const. Yeah. And when you first learn about let and const, you're like, oh man, I'm going to use let for everything. Right. Right? <laughs> just convert all of ours to let. Yeah. And then you break the internet. Um, <laughs> because even though you want to use let, you want to do like a grep replace of var for let. Right. Your code needs it to stay var. You have to actually... Look at everything. Yeah, unless you were just declaring every single variable at the top of the function. But even then, you'd have to ensure that everyone did that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you're saying you th you thought you'd use let a lot. What do you use I instead? Use const Var a lot. const. Yeah, I use const, const a lot. Um, yeah, my default is const. Yeah, my default's const exactly. And const because you're like, what's the difference between let and const? Well, I, to me, there's a, there's at least a semantic difference, like. For telling whoever comes to to do this later, like no matter how far down in this method you go, yeah, I'm never going to reassign this variable. Right, and it's I think it's an important distinction to make, and it's it honestly is really nice to know that. Yeah, I like, mean, uh, I, a lot of the examples you see where they're explaining let and const, they'll do const as pi or something, which is what you first think of, like pi doesn't never changes, but there's so many variables yeah. that shouldn't change. Yeah, whenever I like. Bring in a new service or something. If I'm using like Commons JS, yeah, I bring them in as const. Yeah, I'm like I'm not gonna bring it in as a let. Like I'm I'm never gonna reassign that service that I brought in. Like it's a const. So yeah, I use const a lot. 
Yeah, for, for me, let is almost a code smell. It is a code smell because it gets you back to, I don't know what's about to happen to this thing. And when I see it in a, in a code base, it's got a lot of const. You're like, okay. Yeah. Let's go spelunking and find out where this thing's going to reassign. So, so one gotcha though with let is objects, right? Const. A gotcha with const. Yeah. Yeah, because you can make an object and then you can say, object, you know, const a equals empty object. Well, you can still say a dot name equals whatever you want. A dot name equals Aaron. Yeah. Or whatever, right? So only the parent, only the object itself is a constant. Yeah, it but can the never be a string. Of it aren't. That yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. Oh yeah, that's one thing that we didn't talk about. You got ma you have maps and sets, and with those you got weak maps. Right? And that's an important thing to understand the difference between a map. So, yeah, you've got those two, which are. Okay, yeah, those two are not things that I've used very much. Okay. So, um, can I, do you want me to explain them? Yeah. Okay, so you've got like a JavaScript object. You, you understand that stuff. Yep. Like, uh, object.name equals Aaron. Yep. So, the key is what? The key name. Name. And the value is Aaron. Aaron is so just key value pairs. Yep. And, and then the object itself is just a container for key value. Yep. So the interesting thing about those keys, and it's not actually, I guess it's actually boring. Those keys can only be strings. Right. So even if you try to set a key to like a Boolean, like object dot true, it's going to turn true into a string. Yeah. So it's, it's really still a string. If you try to put a number, object dot two, actually that wouldn't compile, but if you do two as a string. Like, uh, the point is you can't set right. key to anything besides a string. Okay, so um, in a map, so imagine a map being a lot like that, the object you already know, except for the key can be an object. So you could like, like let's say you had a user object, right? And then you wanted to build a dictionary of that user's, uh, of all your users' favorite song. I don't know, I mean, yeah. of a thing, right? They're related to the users, however. So you could just say the key is the user and the value is that user's favorite songs. Mm. Maybe it's an array. And the nice thing about that is um, you don't have to like figure out some sort of a key that you can relate it to. Right. You know what I'm saying? Just the whole user. The whole user itself is the key. Yep. So when you build that map, the users. And so when you want to get it out, you say object dot or map dot get. The user, you, so you pass it the key, so you pass it the user. Yeah. And uh, it gives you back the value. Nice. So you have these key value pairs where the key is a function. It's an object number. It's, I mean, it, it's anything, really. Uh, the, the interesting thing, though, is that that can be really dangerous because what if you don't have access to that user anymore? And so the key is the user, but you don't have any more pointers to it. Yeah. So you're like, well, fudge, how do I, I mean, I just lost my pointer. How do I, uh, how do I get rid of it? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or like if you didn't lose the pointer and all the code you'd have to write in all your entire app to make sure you take things out of the map. Yeah. Now you got all this code that you're like, well, let's tear the map down now so that the map can, 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 can whatever, can, can not waste our memory. Yeah. So that's what a weak map is. Okay. So a weak map is, um, if you lose a pointer to the key, and the only pointer in the whole app 
is this key pointer uh-huh. in this map, this weak map. The weak map will also let go of the key. Okay. So that thing can then get Nice. Okay. Which will let the value also lose this pointer. So it's really important. So maybe weak map should be your default, unless you're like, well, I actually do need to hang on to everything. Yeah, I mean, it depends. I mean, yeah, if you were holding on with anything that had to do with like a DOM or a callback, maybe. I'm not sure the difference between a set and a map. A set just like guarantees that this object can only be in that set. So set ends up being a lot more like an array. Okay. Okay. But like imagine if like I had an array of like um, objects or users. Okay. So cool people array or cool people set. Okay. If that was an array, I could put the same the same actual object in there two times. Yeah. Because why not? It doesn't care. Yeah, maybe someone's really cool. <laughs> totally, you know, can do that, right? Yeah. But a set will not let you put the same thing in it twice, which is a really nice feature. Cool. Um, a lot more things that we could talk about. So, can, can I quickly name like my favorite uh, functions? Yeah. Yeah. The ones, the other ones I use the most. Yeah. So. Um, Destructuring, mm-hmm. I use it a lot. Default parameters, I use a lot. And when you use those in conjunction, it really kind of cleans up the top of your functions a lot because we end up data proofing our functions. This value that's getting passed into me can't be undefined. Yeah. So if it's undefined, make it something else. And so you get these default parameters, but you also end up pulling pieces off of them. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you end up destructuring them as they come in. So with destructuring, and default parameters up in the method signature, you can just do it all right up there in the method signature in your first few lines of code, guarantee that you have zero lines of code in the function, but you've guaranteed no undefineds coming through, and you've um, already pulled your variables or individual pieces, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah, those are the ones I use a lot. And then arrow functions I use everywhere. Yeah, and then you use spread a lot. I use spread some. But arrow function, arrow function is probably the one I use the most prolific. Yeah, for sure. Especially if you just have a one-line function. It's caught me, though. It's caught me. It caught me the other day. I had to do jQuery. Yeah. And uh, I used an arrow function. But in jQuery... Oh, the this, this gets changed by jQuery. This is in the for each, right? So yeah. jQuery hijacks the this. Yeah. But for me, I was, so I was expecting to be a jQuery this... But it wasn't. It was the global is. I was like, what is happening? Yeah. yeah. And so, anyway, yeah, that was. I, I was like, oh, I gotta change this back to an anonymous. And I did, and it's the code of Cool. Well, thanks, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. <laughs>